Welcome, everyone, to the 209 Journey podcast. I'm your host, Luis Urbano, and today I am really excited to be presenting our fourth guest of this show. But before I present our guest, let me just ask one thing of everyone listening to this podcast. If you can, I would really appreciate if you're able to share this show with one friend. That would be amazing. And that would really help me out so much. Also, if you'd like to follow me on social media, you can find the show at The 209 Journey on Facebook and Twitter. Go check it out. I usually post when new episodes go up. And also, I like to share anything going on around The 209. So if you're trying to think about what to do this weekend, then you can also find it on my social media there for this show. So please go check that out. Also, I might be doing live shows here shortly, so you definitely don't want to miss when those might be happening, and those are going to be happening on the Facebook and Twitter page, so if you follow already, then you'll be able to tune in there to the live shows, and if you don't, well, they will be saved on there on the social media pages as well. Also, if you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, I invite you to subscribe to this podcast all the different platforms have different options to subscribe. Some call it follow. Some actually do call it subscribe. And so look on your platform and you should be able to find one of those two uh, names or possibly a different name. But as far as I know, uh, those two are common names across different platforms. So I invite you to check that out. So I invite you to subscribe now. So you're able to find out when I post new episodes. Most platforms are really good about notifying you when a new episode is up. And as I say in the past, and I'm getting better at it now, we are going to be having new episodes every Tuesday. So in the morning, when you are on your way to work or uh, when you are eating breakfast, then you'll be able to listen to the show right there in the morning on Tuesday. So thank you so much to everyone who listens to the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for helping me grow this podcast. So joining me uh, today in our fourth podcast of the 209 Journey podcast is uh, someone who is nicknamed the 209's Relcher. And I think, you know, just recently, I think that there's been more revalidation to that because he was voted best Relcher by the 209 magazine in their best of 209 issue of this year, Um, along with, you know, doing real estate all across the state, in addition to our own area. He's also the general manager of Academica Soccer Club, a semi-professional soccer team uh, located in Sherlock, California. And if you haven't seen a game yet, highly recommend you check out one of their games sometime. Um, They they have a blast and it's, it's a really awesome soccer team there. But Let's go ahead and introduce to the podcast, Michael Rocha. Welcome, Michael. How's it going? It's going great, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm really glad to have you back on. Uh, this is the second time that I'm speaking to you, different podcasts, but always uh, a blast to be able to, to talk to you. So I want to go ahead and get started. Uh, I know that you grew up in Hillmar. Uh, you're actually our first guest that is from the Hillmar Sherlock area, so Super excited to hear more about how it was uh, growing up in in Hillmar. Tell me more about it. Yeah, no, I like I said, I'm definitely happy to be back on or be back on with a podcast with you. The last time we did it was a little bit more uh, more soccer based, but um, growing up in Hillmar, Turlock area, 
Um, we're definitely known for our agriculture. That's number one. That's the one thing you'll notice with when you come out into our area is how big agriculture is a part of um, not just what we're known for, but just our, our day-to-day life. I mean, I, I any job here that is a significance has some sort of correlation with ag, with the world of ag. I grew up in, um, I grew up on a dairy and um, my dad was, and still is today, he, he milks cows for a living. He's, he's a milker. And my mom, she uh, she cleans homes. And so uh, to this day, that's what they do. That's what they've been doing their whole entire life here as uh, as, as American citizens when they immigrated from, uh, from the Azores Islands over to here in the 80s. And um, they've definitely set up the, the foundation for me and my sister to kind of take um, our own path in life and, and, and to, uh, to pretty much chase our dreams. And with that, with, with, you know, growing up in an immigrant household and growing up on the dairy, you got to see, you know, kind of the, the backbone uh, that keeps this area going, which is the world of ag. So um, I got to experience it firsthand where the values of hard work at a very young age, which is great. I think that's something that a lot of people kind of lack nowadays, unfortunately, is the fact that, um, just, I mean, I got to see, I got to see my parents persevere and, and go through tough, go through tough times and get themselves out of tough times. And, and just, you know, just, I got to see a, I got to see people deal with real life issues and, and persevere and get back up from, from being knocked down. And I saw that just because of just the lives that my parents live with their jobs and, uh, and just, you know, it was a very humbling experience growing up in this area. Um, growing up in this area, I feel like people are not afraid to check you. Uh, people are not afraid to, to, to be real with you, which is great uh, because the world is not full of sunshine and rainbows. And uh, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for, for people keeping each other, for keeping me honest, keeping everybody else honest. Um, but I, I honestly couldn't have think, I couldn't have thought of a better place to grow up than Hillmar. And this is where I live today. It's that's why I bought my first home was here in Hillmar. Um, Hillmar and Sherlock, both of them, they're pretty similar. Just Sherlock is a whole lot bigger than Hillmar. Hillmar is, uh, we're at like 7,000 for our population. Sherlock is a whole lot bigger than that. So, um, Hillmar has three stoplights. Sherlock has a little bit more than, than just three. Um, so it just the differences in towns and population, but still the same values of hard work have been instilled in the both communities. And I got to experience that growing up. That, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely something else when you can grow up like in a, in a small community, right? You get to know everyone. I was in that circumstance as well. Since you uh, grew up around agriculture and, and whatnot, uh, what differences have you noticed from like when you were younger to, to now? Uh, I'm sure more technology has, has been adopted, right? And, and all that. But what, what are some of the major differences that you notice now? Um, just in the world of agriculture, I mean, we, there's, there's quite a bit even in the last 10 years that has changed. Uh, you alone from, from my upbringing to where I'm at today. Uh, one of the things that I feel like has, has gone, not I feel like, but I know it's gotten a whole lot better is our, um, our conservation when it comes to water. Um, almonds uh, are, are one of the, or one of the things that needs the most water 
out of out of any crop water almonds take up so much water and um they used to flood irrigate all the almond orchards now what they do is they switched over to a drip system so uh that's a whole lot you know it conserves a whole lot more water um which we need to because california is in a drought at, at all times i feel like um another thing that has changed is you know a lot of dairies have gone to they've either grown a substantial amount, double, tripled in size, or they've sold. A lot of dairies have gone down either either path. I feel like if you're not a a big time dairy, you're you're not surviving here in California for for various reasons, and it's tough. It's you know I grew up with a lot of mom and pop dairies around us, and a lot of family dairies that just had you know a couple milkers, three four milkers milking, you know somebody feeding. And that usually somebody was either a, a, a son or a daughter, or maybe even just a, a nephew that was helping out. Um, a lot of these mom and pop type of dairies have all kind of unfortunately gone out of business or have decided to sell and go into a different venture just because how tough it's been to keep up with, with, with California as a state and their requirements and um, that they're putting on and the strengths that they're putting on, on the California dairymen. So uh, that's one of the major things I've definitely noticed growing up is is the fact that we're kind of we, we're still known for dairies, but it's it's almost become like these big monopolies that are staying alive. And and my big prediction for the next ten years is is I don't think we're going to see any dairies that aren't milking at least twenty five three thousand cows. I just I think anybody below that is going to be forced to sell, and it's it's tough. It's tough and. Anyway, just I, I just don't think we're going down the right path that's going to open up the door for more dairies to come into California, which is kind of what we're known for. So it'll be interesting to see how kind of things play out. Yeah, that's a shame, right? That I mean, a lot of people, uh, you know, that's that's where they lived at. That's what they made a living out of. That's what they were really good at, right? And and for all these things to happen, yeah, it's it's a shame. And, you know, we've seen it, of course, right, with other businesses too, even in, in our area, right? A lot of uh, mom and pop shops just mm-hmm. having to close down because you got the, the big names coming in and it's hard to compete, right? I mean, it's one of those things where economies of scale, right? You have more, you can produce more and it just ends up being that way. And, and it's an unfortunate thing, but, you know, hopefully they, they were all able to find other things that worked out for them and that, you know, allows them to make a, a living like they used to now. Yeah. Like a lot of the small ones of uh, what they've done is they decided to rent out their facilities to other big time dairies. So they're still making a, a, a nice chunk of change. Um, others have decided to go away from the dairy industry and gone completely into farming. Almonds are one of the most popular things here in our area. That's what we're known for uh, is, is our high is our high volume of almond production in the area. Uh, and a lot of those almond orchards were dairies that decided, Hey, you know what? We have two, 300 acres. Let's just go to straight to almonds. It's, you know, it's something that seems to be uh, not leaving us in the red or, or just hasn't been so uh, cyclical uh, as compared to the dairy industry. Oh, yeah. And almonds are, are always going up in value. And you got almond milk right now, right, as well, that's rising in popularity as the years go by and, and all that. So, yeah, I'm glad that at least they have that option, right? It might be a different kind of milk, but it's still something that I can help him uh, make some money from that. 
Yeah, I, I, I think I think we're even going to see even more change with the almond industry because just with with our drought, and I don't see any, any new infrastructure being built that would help us uh, keep up with our water demand for almonds. So I'm I'm going to go on a limb. I think you know even the almond orchards that we have today, I think we're going to start to see a good chunk of them with the next ten to fifteen years start to decline and maybe go into something else, something that doesn't require so much water. Mm-hmm. Um, you might not be able to get the same dollar amount for it, but long-term it's going to make more sense for you to go down that route. Um, just because how, how much, you know, who's to say, you know, where water rights are going to be at in the next 10 years, if we don't get any, any new dams built or uh, any type of water infrastructure, that's going to get, that's going to help uh, aid the farmers uh, and give them the water that we need. So it, it just, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's it's interesting to see where where we've evolved in the dairy industry to where now people are starting to go into almond farming. And now I believe since there's so much people that decided to go down this route, it's it's interesting to see where those people are going to go at where, where they're taking it next. Because like I said, I almonds they, they take up a mass mass amount of water to to go into production. Um, and I just I, I know. I just think don't think we're gonna get we're gonna have enough water to keep up with with what how many people are, are looking to farm almonds here in the near future. Yeah, it's. I mean, like you said earlier, with the drought, that seems like it's never ending here with us here in California. I mean, it's it's a scary thing. Uh, I don't know what's gonna have to happen for things to to change for that. But man, I, I just really hope that we get more more rain soon I, I really hope so <laughs> yeah we need it we definitely need it definitely need rain so changing uh topics here uh as i mentioned in the introduction uh, i know that you got into real estate you're currently working for atlantic realty since uh 2016 and i know you'd mentioned that you know you you've been full-time since 2017 uh i was reading a little bit more about you know different places that you've uh, sold properties at and found it really interesting that you've sold properties throughout the state, not just in our area. So curious to, to know more about that. Tell me some stories of like properties that you've sold uh, outside of our area. Yeah. So I'm licensed to sell to help people buy or sell or both uh, anywhere in California. So I've done deals, you know, as far South as the Tulare area which is for people who don't know where Tulare is at, it's about an hour and 15 minutes outside of Fresno. Uh, well, actually about an hour, about an hour outside of Fresno. Um, and then as far north, I had gone just a little bit above of Sacramento to a little town called Carmichael. Not a little town, but a decent sized town in Carmichael. Uh, done some work up there in Fair Oaks and Sacra- in actual Sacra- Sacramento as well. Um, Elk Grove up out east into the Sierra foothills, um, into the, the San Andreas area, Valley Springs, and then back across the Bay. I got a, a, uh, a deal going on discovery Bay right now. So I'm pretty, I'm definitely pretty versatile, but I'm, I'm versatile because I've been given these opportunities and I've told everybody, anybody that has decided to give me an opportunity to, Hey, listen, you know, if, you know, wherever you're going, if, you know, I'm there for you. So whether it be two hours or three hours away, you know, I will be there for you as your agent. Cause you know, when you're buying or selling a property, it's, it's not like I always say, it's not like you're buying shoes or selling shoes. It's, it's a big decision. So, 
you know, you kind of want to make sure you're putting yourself in the right agent's hands who, you know, is looking for your best interest and your best interest only. So um, I've been able to establish a reputation of somebody who is just that, who, who does do that for his clients and that puts his clients first. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not out there chasing the dollar. I'm out there chasing success. So I've been given a lot of opportunities to explore outside of the Valley. I'm very thankful for that opportunity. And, you know, I, I, I would like to keep going. I'd like to keep going. would love to get a couple more deals up into the Bay area. Uh, how about some more in the Sierra foothills? Love to even go below the grapevine, get some deals down in LA County, Orange County. I mean, to me, I mean, or to a lot of agents that might sound a little crazy, but you know, I'm, I'm willing to go wherever my clients need to go. So, um, I've set that, I've established that since day one. And, you know, I feel like my clients have definitely used, um, my word and, uh, you know, have kept me, kept me honest. That's awesome. I mean, that you're able to just, you know, go anywhere and, uh, your clients uh, call you up, Hey, I got something over here and, and you're right there. That's, that's really great. I mean, getting to explore the state, explore different pricing, right. Different situations through different counties and all that. I mean, that's, that all sounds, I'm sure really interesting to just see the differences, right. Between selling a, a property here versus, you know, selling in like the Bay area, the taxes and all that. I mean, it's all really much more different in, in certain areas. So that's, that's gotta be really interesting to learn all that. Yeah. I, I definitely, whatever I, wherever I do go, I don't go unprepared. I, I definitely do my due diligence and do my research in an area, if I'm not too familiar with that area, um, I've I grew up kind of you know going everywhere. I like to say and and knowing of different communities and and um, you know one of the funny things is I I grew up I had basic basic cable. I didn't have you know satellite or anything like that growing up. So one of the how I would find out about sports would be uh, watching the news. There was no ESPN for me. I, I literally yeah. had six channels growing up. So I'd watch the news and I lived in Helmar. So sometimes I would catch the Sacramento news report. Other times I'd catch the Fresno news report. Uh, I'd have, I have pretty much my pick of, of what channels I want to get. Mm-hmm. So I got to learn about all these communities growing up. So I grew up knowing about, you know, the rougher parts of Fresno. I grew up about the nicer parts you know, of, of Fresno clo- heading towards Clovis, you know, grew up, you know, going and are knowing about the Sacramento area and what's, you know, what's nice and what's not and what's desired and what's not. Um, so, I mean, as, as little as kind of foolish as it may sound, you know, I, I like to thank the local news for, for keeping me informed as a kid and for giving me the gateway to have success and know, you know, my, uh, my geography, I guess, and, and know my, my demographics that I'm, that I'm going into and, and know my, my, the market that I'm going into. Um, so I, I mean, of course, growing up, I had friends that attended schools, you know, and I had a couple of friends I went to Fresno state. So I definitely got to know the Fresno area. Um, got to learn about a whole lot about, more about Sacramento. Once I started in real estate, cause I had some people that were looking to get into that market. So of course I kept myself very educated about what was going on there. Um, so I just, I, I got very familiarized with anything within an hour and a half, two hours away from us and anything past that. I, 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 like I said, I do my due diligence and make sure that I am very familiar pr- prior to us even going up there to, for us to go look at one house. Oh yeah. That's, that's really good. Right. Cause uh, there's, there's a lot of differences between a lot of the cities around us and 
you know, you just have to go across the Altamont Pass or <laughs> over the grapevines. And, you know, it's a whole another world out there, too. Each time I go and travel over there, it's a lot different, right? Yeah. So walk me through how it was uh, when you first got your first property that you sold it. Uh, where was it at? Do you remember the price and, and all that? Walk me through that. Yeah. So my first ever deal was on Berkeley Avenue here in Trollock. Uh, Berkeley Avenue is one of the one of the uh, nicer streets here in Trollock, and it was a condo, and it was a client that had called me. Uh, she called the office number, and the office number. So, let me backtrack a little bit. So, on the weekend, our office isn't open. So, on the weekend, it'll go the they'll cut the direct line over to an agent's phone number or to an agent's phone. So that weekend, I happened to be on what's called floor. Um, so any calls that went into the office came straight to my phone. Both clients or any agents that were trying to get hold of other people went to my phone. So this person, they call the office, and I picked up, and they started talk, talking to me about how their mother was looking for a condo, something small, something in a nice area here in Trollock. Well, so I said, listen, I have the perfect condo for you. Uh, it's, it's, it's in a great location. And it's 55 and up. Is your mom 55 and up? And she's like, well, she's 94 years old. I was like, oh, okay. So she's definitely of age to uh, to purchase in this area. So we went, we looked at it, uh, got to meet her mother there. And her mom had lived in the same home for 94 years. The dad built the house in Hayward. Oh, wow. So it was a big change for her. Definitely a big change. She bought it $250,000 cash. It was a 21-day close. Um, and, uh, we went there, it was 21, it was a 21 day escrow and we went there. I'm not even joking a good, about 11, 12 times. And um, of those times, the mom was there about eight of those times, seven, eight of those times, just to double check some things, double check the rooms, make, make sure everything looked good. She just wanted to, to do her research and because it was a little bit of a big decision. She seemed you know, she was a little fearful about making this, this decision, not because she didn't she didn't trust me or anything like that, but just because when you live in a home for 94 years, it's it's a big change for you to 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 go into something different. So she, um, you know, we closed, and and ever since then, um, she I've been invited to her birthday parties, I've been invited to family get-togethers. That client. And that and her family, we became almost like family. Like I'm in a Super Bowl pool every single every uh, the squares that they do. I'm in that every single year. I was actually just at her house about a week and a half ago. She just got out of the hospital. Um, she she called me, say, "Hey, listen, I'm back from the hospital. If you want to swim and buy it, me and my daughter are here." So we just went went over there and hung out with them, and um, it was you know it was just cool because you know I I told him for the giggle. I said, "Listen, you know, once you were my client, you're not just a client. You're not just a check. You're not just a house." You know, you're you're a friend of mine, and I'm gonna treat you like 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 a fr- like more than just a friend, just like, like family. So if you ever need anything, I'm always here. And um, so I, for all my clients, I, I don't think I have a, a client that I haven't been able to establish a relationship outside of just being a client. You know, they they I, I feel like every client that I've ever had is, considers me as a friend. They can text me, you know, nine thirty at, at night and say, hey, how, how much is my property worth? Uh, and I won't be the type of person who's gonna say, you know. Hey, you know, text me during business hours. No, I'm just, you know, we're friends. So I've definitely been able to establish that 
relationship, not just as a real estate agent, but as a friend. And, and I've been able to establish great relationships because of, of that opening door, that opening door environment that I, that I present to the general public. And um, yeah, my, my first deal was, was with a 94 year old um, single woman that was, she, well, her husband had passed, but uh, making her first purchase at 94 years old, uh, 1250 was the, was the name of the house. Uh, and, um, or was the, the, the numbers of the house, I should say. And, um, yeah, it was, it was here on Berkeley and, um, yeah, that was my first ever deal. My first ever deal, super nervous, kind of got thrown in the uh, lion's, uh, lion's den, but that was in, we closed in October of 2016 and I got my license in June of that year. So that was my, that was my very first deal. I did take off the Azores for about a month, month and a half. So that kind of put a damper and slowed things down. And I also had a part-time job at the time too, but uh, came in October. That was my first deal. Wow. That's, that's really awesome. And I'm really glad to hear that. Like you, take that approach of like, you know, you, you don't see them as just clientele, right? You see them more as, as uh, friends and, and whatnot. And, you know, hey, that's the reason why you won the 209's best realtor uh, distinction too, because, you know, I think uh, I've seen some realtors that do take it more uh, as a business, right? That, you know, they, they take that approach, but, you know, there's nothing better and, and just in general, right? With anything. And, and especially when it comes to like customer service roles and all that, to take the approach of being friendly, of getting to know them, because like you said, right, that that's one of the reasons why they end up calling you if now they're in Sacramento trying to sell this other property, right? And so it's it all it all takes time, but it's definitely really it pays off in, in multiple ways, not just in, in the business side, but in just forming new friendships. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, since day one, I, I've I've been about my slogan is invest in happiness. And a lot of people, a lot of people slogan when it comes to real estate is, you know, sold with this or, you know, or, you know, um, or have some other tacky ones that are well, not tacky, but, you know, <laughs> just generic, I guess you can say, you know, just regardless. And it has something to do with real estate. Well, mine has literally nothing to do with real estate to the outside looking in. My slogan is invest in happiness. And the reason why I chose that is because I want you to invest in, in the feeling of happiness when you're working with me, when you're closing with me, when, when you have that distinction of, of, of happiness, I want you to think of our transaction that we had together. I want you to, to associate happiness with your success that you had with me as an agent, either buying or selling. Um, so at the end of the day, I mean, I'm trying to make you happy as a buyer or seller because your happiness is my key to my success. And it has been the key to my success because my business didn't grow overnight. You know, it took it took time to to let to get its foundation built, and you know, with building a a reputation and and by putting people's client putting clients' happiness first and and making them happy with with getting them home that they've always wanted or getting them top dollar for the home. You know, word has spread. Word has spread about me and about what I provide for my clientele. Um, so it, it's it's definitely you know I definitely take it serious as a business aspect, but. I, I like I tell all my clients, I would never put you in a situation that I wouldn't put a family member in. So if, if I tell you something, I, I mean it. 
That's good because, of course, like you said before, right? I mean, people are making a big purchase, right? And for that lady that you helped out, I mean, it was her first time. She was 94, but she wasn't, you know, sure of what was going on or like what uh, the uh, home buying process is like, which, you know, I know can be really challenging and there's a lot of things going on all at once, right? A lot of signing that goes on and all that. So I know how like tedious uh, all that can be. So you definitely want someone who can, you know, be there every step of the way and, and assure you, right, you know, this is what you're signing. This is what you're signing. Don't worry. Like, you know, this is, I'm, I'm assuring you, this is what you're signing. So um, you don't have to freak out over, you know, what is it that I'm signing now and all that. And you yeah. always need that. <laughs> no, just, just providing a, a clear idea of, of what's being presented to the client. You know, something that I've done a, a very good job of establishing right business. And, you know, I, I wouldn't send anybody or wouldn't have anybody anything that you know i personally wouldn't feel comfortable signing myself so i i'm i'm always i'm always up for educating and you know with that transaction i literally read from front to back the contract disclosures everything that she was putting pen to paper on she knew every single thing and a lot of people just kind of just take your word for it of what they're signing um and i still say you know please go ahead and and, and read and then, you know, get back to me if you have, mm-hmm. if you have any problems, if you fully understand it, then go ahead and sign it. But here's what it says. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you the, what's it? What's the uh, cliff notes? Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you the cliff notes version. This is what you're signing. This is what these next three pages are, are talking about. Uh, but I always tell people to read it, of course. And if they have any questions, they can contact me before signing. Um, but no, just providing a, a clear idea of, of what people are getting into either. Be, and I'm just, just during escrow, but even before we start looking, you know, I like to, pre- I like to present a clear picture. Um, Cause real estate is, is one of those industries that it's, it's a different industry. What kind of other industry can you think of that somebody can work for months or years and not know if they're going to receive a paycheck at the very end? Because us real estate agents, we do not you know, we don't get paid unless we close. It's solely commission. So I always present a, a picture to my clientele that, hey, listen, I kind of want, I kind of need to know exactly what you're looking for. That way I can make it happen for you. And, you know, I, the commitment that I'm giving, that I'm presenting to you that you have from me, I want us to be on the same page and have you commit to me because I know you chose me out of any other real estate agent, but I want you to be consistent with that choice. And I want you to be sure of it because, you know, there might be other homes that you might see another agent post on their social media page, but you know, please contact me first. I will reach out to that agent and I will go ahead and go over, you know, your next step. Let me kind of take, take control of the reins on that. So um, just being clear with, you know, with clientele has definitely set me apart from, from, from other real estate agents. I'll say that. So I got to ask this question because I've seen it in your bio before, and I'm really curious to hear the story, but I know you've been, or you you still do, uh, the earthquakes play by play. Can you tell me more about how how did that opportunity come about, and how how's that like for you? Yeah, so I've been doing it since 2015, and my first game was let's say it was in May of 2015. May of 2015, because I was still at my old job, and I remember leaving work. Uh, early to, to play that game. So May of 15, and I, uh, I joined a radio station at the time called Palma, 
uh, Portuguese, Amer- Portuguese America Media Association. And uh, what Palma was, was a radio station that provided music for the older generation, the older Portuguese generation, as well as the younger Portuguese generation. Uh, we had programs that were built around people in the community or built by the people in the community, younger people in the community. Um, and we had a um, just programming Monday through Friday going on. And it grew, it grew substantially. And today it's, it's still pretty relevant. But one of the things that Palma was doing and did it for a year prior to me joining was they were doing the broadcast in Portuguese of the San Jose Earthquakes games. All home games were being done by Palma. So what I did was I, uh, I joined, joined on and I uh, joined Palma first. And then I got offered the opportunity to join the broadcast. And I'm, I'm was, I was, you know, was super big on the quakes. And I decided, you know, I'm going to go for it. And I wasn't, I speak Portuguese fluently, but it wasn't, it's a different level of Portuguese from speaking it from me to you and then speaking it on the air to the people that are listening. You know, sometimes you get hundreds, sometimes you get thousands of people listening on. It just depends on the game. So I uh, got thrown in the wolves a little bit. My first game, I remember getting back. I went to the media area just to get starting lineups. Um, and I come back in the booth and they're on air and they literally give me a headset and say, Hey, go ahead and introduce yourself. You're going to, you're, you're going to be taken over, you know, as, uh, as, uh, as, uh, color, uh, commentary. I was like, what? And I was like, yeah, you're, you're going to go ahead and do color today. Like what? Like, okay. So, um, I literally got thrown at the wolves there and stuttered and, and messed up a bunch of words. I'm sure looking back. Um, but you know, ever since then it's, it's been, we've been doing all the home games, this year or last year was our first time that we missed games because of COVID. Uh, this year we've done we've done most of the games just because they were a little restrictive in the beginning. So it took a, it took us a while to you know get back in into the group of things. But I've been doing it for since 2015, and I love doing it. I love we I love um, presenting the game to the Portuguese community in the Portuguese language. It's something that's definitely helped my Portuguese a whole lot more. Um, and you know, it's, we have quite a bit of a, of a following and I know that the earthquakes, they, they now have two Brazilian players that are from Brazil that are playing with the team. And that helps out a lot too, with us doing the broadcast, you know, we're able to get people from Brazil to listen to us because they want to know how our two Brazilian players are doing, or their two Brazilian former teammates are doing. So we've been able to establish a large fan base in Brazil and, and I'm just lucky to be a part of that. Well, that's that's really awesome that you know they're, they're able to uh, also listen, and you know now your thousand listeners are now a lot more, right? I mean, just considering yeah. the size of Brazil. <laughs> yeah, no, we've uh, we've definitely grown. Um, it just it's you know it started out with just a couple hundred listeners, and then all of a sudden it just you know we started adding up and adding up and adding up, started getting a little bit of steam. So. Um, We've it's also opened up the door for other franchises to reach out to us, and you know we've had the opportunity to uh, to get in talks with you know with the Sharks and, and with the Giants about calling some of their games in Portuguese. But in reality, it I just don't think the the fan base is quite there yet uh, in the Portuguese community for for hockey or or for baseball. 
also, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in it's either you're all in or you're not. And I just, I, we don't have, we don't have the team to, to do all, you know, all baseball games and all hockey games. And we, you know, might have to pick and choose, but within, again, that's something that, you know, we have thought about exploring is, is maybe going to a different, maybe we do do a couple special games or maybe we do what, cause they, they both franchises do Portuguese heritage night. Maybe we do present Portuguese heritage night via play by play on the radio to the fans that are listening in. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely up, opened up some doors. Got to meet some awesome people because of that. Um, got to meet some some well known soccer players, of course, and got to establish relationships that you know are still alive today because of it. Nice. That's that's really awesome. Uh, when you know when you do those things, and then you get the additional benefits of getting to know the players and and whatnot. Um, well, I wouldn't have a podcast interview with you without mentioning. Our good old Academica, which, in my opinion, the 209s team, and not just with the jersey, which, you know, I, I always tell you that it's an amazing design. I mean, you got all the 209 represented on that jersey. And if you all haven't checked that out, go go check out their website. Um, I don't know if you guys still have it for sale, but. Uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty limited on our stock for, for jerseys. That was actually one of the first things that, that went, um, I think. Pretty much all the jerseys that we have available are going to be available this coming Saturday um, at a, at our playoff match against Oakland. But but yeah, no, I, I've been involved as a general manager for the last uh, to what 2017 is when I is when I took the role. I joined the board, and my title became general manager. And uh, and yeah, I know I I've been around the club for years. Uh, started out. Um, with going to train there, I was training. I was just playing Sunday league. I was never really a great player by any means, but soccer was my was my secondary sport. I played football growing up, but then I switched over to soccer just because I couldn't keep playing football. So I switched over to soccer after uh, going and um, going to JC and uh, playing football there. So I decided to switch over to soccer and started kind of learning more about just the area and, you know, academic, I've always known about academic because I grew up going to church at our lady of assumption. So I've always known about academica and I always thought academic was just like, you know, such a high level uh, organization. And I would, I, you know, I'd always wanted to go out and train with them, but I was always just skeptical and scared and <laughs> never wanted to get myself out there just because like, Oh, like, you know, okay, they're going to wreck me. They're just not, not wreck me, but they're just going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to drill me. I'm not, you got all these guys that have been playing traveling soccer or something that have played professionally. They're out there training with the team. And they, there comes this kid who or just picked up a soccer ball just a couple, couple weeks ago. I felt like, so I um, just, just trained here solely solo and actually developed into somebody who, who got to know a whole lot about the game and, you know, never, still never very, very good. Um, but it came to the time where I was actually training with, uh, with another team. And the coach kicked me and another player out and uh, told us that we needed to, that we couldn't come back for three weeks. And the reason being is because they were going to play our, our Sunday league team and uh, that, Oh, we're going to play you guys. So, you know, we can't, you know, just, I don't want you guys here at practice with us just because I don't want you guys to know what we're doing. So what happened was I'd say, you know what, I'm not going to sit at home these next three weeks. I'm going to train. So I called up a, a buddy of mine and we, um, 
we went decided to, Hey, I'm gonna go to academic and he didn't want to go with me. So I was like, I'll, I'll go solo. So I went out there and I went to one practice and that was the end of it. I, it was such a different experience than what I thought I was going to be. I, I learned, that's where I learned how to play soccer is, is by going out to Academica and, you know, just the players are great. The coaching staff was great. They, instead of trying to ridicule me for maybe messing up, I, I'd have people stop practice and say, Hey, listen, this is, they pull me off to the side and say, this is what you're doing. This is what we need you to do. Or this is what, you know, this is where you've gone wrong. This is what I would do if I'm you. Um, to just it was definitely a, a learning experience, but it was a good learning experience. It made me fall in love with the game even more. So, you know, that was early two, early two, uh, the early 2010s, I guess we call it. That's when I was out there, and I finally I got in shape one year. Actually, made it onto the team, played a couple of tournaments with the team, uh, 2016, and then I just was playing Sunday Sunday league um, at the end of 2016. Up until the beginning of 2017, stopped playing soccer in 2017 just because real estate got pretty busy, and I got invited to be a part of the board that year. So ever since then, I went from from practice player to, oh, this guy's actually going to play some tournaments with us, and to now this guy's not going to play at all, but he's going to be part of the team in a different way and on the board because you know they have their 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 ideas as to why they want to bring me on. But anyway, I'm, I'm happy I'm happy to be on, and uh, it's been. It's been a wild ride. It's 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 crazy to see where we've taken the club and where it's gone in such a short time frame and, and where it's going to be going in the near future. That's awesome. I mean, you don't always hear those stories, right? Of, uh, of uh, getting to to be in the front office, right, of a of a soccer team, and you know, it's it's really it's really great to to hear those things. And like I, you know, I just mentioned earlier, like this. Academica soccer team is truly the 209's biggest team. I know we have other other teams and whatnot, but the things that you guys are doing to like put the name out there, uh, I, I know in Sherlock, right, just going to Stan State myself, uh, I would go by downtown Sherlock quite often and see all your signs that you guys had put up and, and all that. And, and the marketing that you guys are doing was really great. And you were reaching people all throughout the city. And I would always see ads for you guys and all that. So yeah great 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 stuff and you know hopefully more uh things that more cities start to pick up because i think you know we have a lot of interesting cities here in the 209 that could also have a good team and and give you guys more competition i guess too <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean ho- hopefully more and more cities pick that up and we start seeing some teams like you know get to your level and you know modesto because i that is my hometown and you know, we definitely have the size to have a team and different places and venues and all that. And, you know, it's all about growing the sport. And that's one way to do it, right, is to have more teams like your team all across the 209. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm up for the growth of the game. The only thing is, is what I would challenge is it has to be done the right way. Uh, there's been a lot of teams that have tried to join the NPSL. In our area, there's about five teams that are trying to join the NPSL but are now in the UPSL. And the reason why they didn't get into the NPSL is because the NPSL did not allow them to get into the NPSL because mm-hmm. structurally they weren't, the organization wasn't the right fit for the NPSL to take on. Also, it doesn't make sense for them to put another NPSL team right next door to where we're at or within 10 miles away from us. Um, so it just didn't make a whole lot of sense for the NPSL to take somebody on. Um, 
and and just you know just they vet everybody and that's something that you know we're, we're proud that we're the only NPSL team and at one point we will have another NPSL team in Modesto or in Merced just because the, the community is going to keep growing so there's going to be room for two and I, I I'm a big I think there will be you know next 10 years I think we'll see another NPSL team and hopefully they you know they're able to provide um, a, uh, a great product both on and off the field but uh, we're you know whether or not there's another team, we're still looking to dominate the area and 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 present ourselves in as a community scene, both on the on the field and off. Uh, notice our name isn't Turlock Academica; it's Academica, and we literally represent the valley. And we've we it's been that since 1972. We've had players from Sacramento down all the way down to Fresno drive to be a part of this team, to drive to be a part of this club. So you know when we say we're the Valley's team and you know, we mean it. We, the 209, that's that's our home. That's why it's on our jerseys. But, you know, we look to represent the whole Valley because we have players that, that are doing so right now with us and have so in the past. So, um, you know, I, I definitely welcome more competition. I think there will be more competition. There's, from what I'm hearing, there's another two UPSL teams that are going to be um, coming out and playing in Turlock. So that'll be a total of three UPSL teams, which doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense, when, to, in my opinion, because – there's, I get that the league is trying to make money off of these people that are looking to fill the team. But at the same time, are why are you diluting the product? If if you're if you're mm-hmm. trying to compete against other 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 leagues, why are you doing that to yourself? Why? Because I mean, just look at you know this past pandemic year. They you know they what they've done to the league. They've literally accepted anybody with the pulse, and mm-hmm. I have no problem saying that to, to anybody. And it just when you're trying to compete against other leagues, you shouldn't be doing that. You should try try to take pride in who you're accepting and, and, you know, try to make sure that you put yourself in position to accept teams that are going to compete on the field. that are looking to make a difference in the community. that are not just going to be there, you know, just to show up, put on a Jersey play and leave. Um, so that's, that's where, you know, I, I kind of, what's my idea or what I think of, of opening up the door. I, I'm, the door is always open for, for a competition, but, now, let's do it the right way. And one of my other pet peeves also that, that I've uh, ran into is other teams telling players that are going to college not to play college because if they go play for them, they can get them to, they can get them a professional contract, which is obviously a lie mm-hmm. because no professional team is going to go scout somebody on a Sunday at a neighborhood park. That doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. This isn't, you know, this isn't England. This isn't England fourth, you know, fifth division. You know, you're not playing at community park and getting scouted by somebody who's out, you know, division two or division one. So it's just, you know, like I said, if teams are willing to do it the right way and they're doing, they're, they're honest about what they're doing and they're looking to actually make a difference. Um, then I'm all open for, for doors to, or I'm, I'm, I'm open for, for doors to be open for other teams to, to be a part of our soccer community here in the Valley. Yeah. And, and we have an amazing soccer community and, more and more players, right? Interested in playing the game as as times has, has gone by, and uh, academic needs a good local rivalry, in my opinion, right? <laughs> as, yeah, as we're supposed to have Stockton. Uh, Stockton was supposed to join, and then their um, their owner pulled out, or sorry, their investor pulled out because they didn't trust the front office. Oh. Uh, that's 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 real talk. And um, the owner told the NPSL and the NPSL told us, in fact, or sorry, the, um, the, 
the investor told the NPSL that they were not going to move forward. And um, the NPSL then relayed the, the facts over to us. So with that being said, like I said, if we're going to do things the right way, I'm all open for, for, for having a 209 Derby or having a, a, a team play us from Fresno or, you know, wherever it may be, I'm, I'm all in for a local Derby. Cause you know, I still believe that we still have the best product with or without a team nearby us. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it just, like I said, it has to be done the right way. And there has to be good reasons behind it. You can't just be building a team just because you want to compete against us or, or because you're <laughs> looking to, to, to piggyback on the success we've had here in the community. That doesn't make sense. Oh yeah. Especially considering that you guys have been around for a really long time, which is a really hard feat for any team. I mean, just in general, right? Just any sporting franchise, uh, it's it's hard to keep up and you know be be around for so long. And and you guys have done it, and and that's that's really awesome. And I'm really glad. I'm really glad that you guys are, are um, getting to be known even more out there, right? You're still you know inviting people to come out and and all that. And uh, if anyone hasn't seen their games, I mean. You guys, I mean, I, I know we we say, right, that you guys are the Valley team and all that because you're in the Valley, but you are literally the Valley team because you you play right next to our foundation, right, our agricultural fields, and you have all that background. And it's just so awesome where you guys chose to play at. Like, I got to say, it was, it was the perfect venue for a Valley team. Yeah, we've, uh, we own our own, own facility, which is nice. Um, and... Um... Well, I'll we rephrase it. So the church owns the facility. We rerun it. We maintain it. They pretty much just say, hey, listen, you guys take care of whatever on that side. And you guys, the facility is yours. So legally speaking, you know, the <laughs> church is the one that, that owns it. But we were the ones who uh, who take take control of maintaining it. Um, I think another reason why the church just pretty much gave it to us is like, there's so much to maintain there. So they said, <laughs> hey, if you guys are willing to take the bill, we'll just pretty much give it to you guys. So um no we we have our own facility which is which is a nice key component to our success uh we provide a natural grass pitch and i'll i'll go on i'll go on record saying we have the nicest field in the valley there's not a single field that will be better than our field and um i mean i mean i i think our field will, will rival even you know papa murphy's or or um or what's our paypal park um hmm. both perspectives i and just we have a great pitch especially come summertime, summertime, it's, it's, that thing was cherry. That thing's like a carpet, but our little facility seats about, you know, 700 people. And, um, you know, we have full snack bar. We have our own little supporters group, which is nice too. It kind of, it's in a cool environment. We had the opportunity to host international friendlies. We host the U S open cup there with ESPN broadcasting there in Turlock and academic field. So, so it's, it's like you said, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, a a valley feel to it because of where the location's at but it's it's home to us and you know it's it's been it's been the host of, of a lot of great events throughout the years and you know looking forward to what the next 50 years bring to the club awesome well michael thank you so much for being on the show tonight you know i really enjoyed all these conversations and we could talk soccer like <laughs> forever as as you know we did on on my other podcast and it's always, like I said, really amazing to hear all the stories and, and especially someone from your background that you literally grew up in the area. You grew up near the Academica field, too. And yeah. I mean, home is is right there. And, and it's just awesome to hear 
stories like that and and to hear that you're still at home and you know we we hear more and more stories here in the valley right of people who you know we just can't leave the valley because it's it's an amazing place really yeah i, I feel like the valley is is an area where you know you grow up in and a lot of people want to leave once they hit you know 17 18 years old they want to go out and they want to leave the valley they want to go to socal they want to go to north they want to go to the bay area they want to go experience something else but then they end up coming back to because they realize once you go away, that's you don't really realize it until you're gone. You don't really realize how mm-hmm. special the valley is until you're away from it. And this day, I mean, here in Sherlock and Hillmar, you can still go outside and play. Like if you're a kid, you can still go outside and play and still walk the streets. You know, you can have, you know, you can you have that old traditional town feel and you have that sense of community. It's here. It's here. It's here in, in the Sherlock Hillmar area. So it's something that I definitely don't take for granted. And, um, it's, it's been, it's been, it's, it's a reoccurring little gig that people leave and they come back to settle down here and grow a family because, you know, what, a, what other better place than here, right here in back in the middle of the valley, which is Trollock or Helmut. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I, I get homesick even just traveling. If I'm somewhere like in SoCal for like two or three days in a row, you know, I'm just like, I want to go back already. I, I, I'm done with, with this city traffic and yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, it's it, it gets it gets pretty, uh, you know, home home it gets pretty missed when you're when you're far away. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, th- thank you so much, Michael. Good luck with your uh, real estate business and also with uh, Academica. I hope uh, I hope to see you guys winning the championship this year. Awesome, awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you again uh, to Michael for being on this podcast for again on another podcast of mine really enjoyed the conversation hearing all of his stories uh, as a real estate agent uh, really really interesting stuff I, I haven't had the chance to speak to much agents in the valley so it's always uh, really interesting to hear how things are going uh, with them here in the valley and of course as we all know the house market is booming there's houses being built almost in every corner it seems like and so it's it's a great time right now to to be a real estate agent. And of course, if you do decide to be one, I hope that you learned a lot from listening to Michael on how you should be like as a real estate because everyone is making a big purchase, right? I mean, it's not just like buying uh, some shoes at your local shoe store. You're buying a big time thing and it's it's something that you know, is is really important. So you definitely want someone that you can trust and that you can believe that they are going to have your best interest in mind all throughout the way as well. Also, it was really awesome to hear his stories uh, growing up in the Valley. Uh, and um, it's something really great for all of us, I think, who grew in the Valley to be able to uh, talk about our stories because we are in a unique situation. I, I always like to say this, right? Versus anyone else who might live in the Bay Area and Southern California and no- Northern California. Um, it's it's a whole different story here living in the Valley. And, you know, one of my favorite things, and we mentioned it earlier as well, is just how peaceful it can be here. And as Michael was saying, right, you can still go outside and talk to your neighbors and you know there's still that small community feel especially where, you, uh, where he's from too from Gomar 
And those are things that, you know, are, are more and more getting lost in, in the cities. And I mean, even here in Modesto, where uh, I'm from, it's it's more and more starting to, to get lost. But thankfully, we still have those communities in, in our valley, like in Hillmar and uh, certain parts of Sherlock as well, that still have that because it's really awesome to be able to stay right that you know all your neighbors that you can be outside and it's really calm and you don't have to deal with a lot of traffic and all that and really great stuff to have that and we're pretty fortunate here in the valley to be able to say that so really interesting stuff and of course uh, with academica soccer club as we just talked about that is an awesome example of how a sports franchise is run here in the valley i always like to say at the end of every episode but thank you so much to everyone who took the time out of their busy schedule to tune into the show tonight and also to tune into the past shows that we've had here on the podcast and if you haven't tuned in and this is your first time that you're tuning in we've actually had the guy started podcasting with and really the reason why i think now i have five podcasts that are ongoing. Uh, I've had my favorite math teacher who actually got to be on the Ellen show three times. And of course she is, in my opinion, the 209's best math teacher. And there's a lot of reasons. And I think I have a lot of um, evidence to prove that. Um, And you can listen to the episode and you'll find out why I say that. And then of course, in the last episode uh, before this one, I actually interviewed Modesto's mayor, Sue Zwallen. It was really great being able to interview her here on the podcast. And we had an interesting conversation about um, her campaign and also about how it was growing up here in the Valley and her nursing career, and as well as uh, her time in the board of the Modesto City Schools District as well. Great. Well, have a great day, everyone. Thank you again so much for listening to the show today. And you will hear me next Tuesday here on the 209 Journey Podcast. Have a great day, everyone. Mm-hmm.